That's always like a really interesting question because right. um, growing up, right, growing up, I really had like an eclectic taste in music. Like my brother, I'm, I'm the youngest of four, so um, my bro- oldest brother would listen to like, you know, rap or hip hop, and my sister would listen to like Evanescence or Paramore. And then my mom, she's really big on gospel, so I've always kind of like had like a really variety uh, type of taste, but. Um, I don't know, like growing up in like two, uh, 2002 and stuff like that in middle school, I was really into like alternative rock, like pop rock. And I was like in band. So like a lot of times I would grow up listening to like Paramore, The Fray or like something like that, things like that. But I always had like a little bit of like the hip hop love. So I kind of bridged those two. I used to, so I used to listen to a lot of hip hop and um, alternative pop. This is Musicians Can Thrive, a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry. Musicians, audio engineers, managers, producers, booking agents, everyone across all niches. Welcome. My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. Johnny Jukebox is an artist that many people would put in the R&B box. But his songwriting and production skills are especially strong because he can bridge the gap between different genres so seamlessly. With hints of pop, hip-hop, and even a little electronic house touch, nearly every song of Johnny's makes your body start moving to the beat before you're aware of what you're doing. And his hooks have a finely honed catchiness to them that many independent artists struggle to find in their first few projects. But from the beginning, Johnny set a high standard for himself. And it's perfectly paired with the striking visual aesthetics of his album artwork, social media photos, and the occasional appearance of Johnny with pink hair. I first found out about Johnny Jukebox and his music because I interviewed his manager, Morgan Davis. If you're interested in strategies for booking shows in your local area, I'll add a link to that episode in the show notes. Even if your shows are less frequent and outdoors because of COVID, Morgan's insights are still valuable. But back to Johnny Jukebox. He's a local Austin artist, and I personally love his music. The way he approaches his artistry with such bold authenticity is inspiring. That's really cool. It's also yeah. really funny. I'm the oldest of four, so it's yeah. funny when I meet other people <laughs> with a four-kid family. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the most hectic but uh, lovable thing in the world. Right? <laughs> like, you have three built-in friends, but also shit gets I hate them wild. All. I, love them. <laughs> I love and hate them all at the same time. Yeah, that sounds about right. Particularly, like, <laughs> depending on what age you are and how far apart Absolutely. you are yeah like things my brother, shift yeah my brother was in high school and i was like coming out of middle school like seventh grade so it was like a weird time for everyone mm-hmm. yeah let me see that was like me and i think my third or like my my oldest brother so like the the third kid in the family uh-huh. damn yeah Okay. (laughs) So aside from that, I really like how you got 
all those different influences in your music. Yeah. It's always fun to hear about what goes, you know, behind the development of an artist and their sound because we all have our own unique path. And so absolutely shapes it. Absolutely. So you had these older siblings who introduced you to a wide range of music and then your mom as well. Yeah. When was the point where you started personally getting interested in making music? You know, it's funny. I would say probably in eighth grade. I feel like everyone that like likes music or likes art has that time in their life where they're like, well, I can be in a band and you just make a random band with a couple people, a couple of your friends that also like music. So I had like three friends in uh, middle school that one would play the guitar and the drums and I was always like the vocalist. So we would just like go out to school and fuck around and play around, you know, just like, you know, jamming out. And I really liked it. Like I really liked just creating like a world or a vibe uh, that we own. So we just, I just continued with that just for fun. And then I really started uh, getting into writing. Like I liked writing from experiences or seeing other people go through just like breakups or like how we dealt with things that uh, we think are so important at whatever stage in life that we are. And so through like high school, I would have these bands. And then I think at the, I would say like junior year, maybe sophomore year, um, I started, uh, we broke up, like the band broke up because it wasn't really a band. It was just like, you know, we were fucking around. But I was the only one that really took it serious. And I was like, you know what? Like, I've always kind of wanted to implement like different genres of, like I said, I grew up on like R&B and hip hop and rock and gospel and jazz. And I've always kind of wanted to do my own thing. And so I just like, throughout high school, I just started making my own music from home on my Mac and like just making bullshit demos of like songs that I never really intended of putting out. Cause at that time I was just like my artistic freedom or my artistic release at that time I was making um, like mangas. I'm such a nerd. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. I was making like anime comic books and playing video games. I was just doing a bunch of shit, but on the side I would do music. And I remember one day my brother, uh, my oldest brother, who I uh, was referencing earlier, he came. He came to my uh, my house at that time. He had already graduated like high school. He's out. And everything. Um, he comes in. I'm playing like fucking around on the computer. He's like, "Can you play that again?" And I'm like, "What the you know the song I was just playing?" He's like, "Yeah, that's like really good. You should really do this." And then I was like, "Oh, well, maybe I am kind of good." You know, sometimes it takes like extra push, <laughs> takes yeah. like extra push from someone else uh, to kind of validate your love for something or something that you can put out to the world. So I just that gave me kind of the confidence to keep working at it, and uh, that's how I started. I love that. I love how your big brother gave you the push that you needed. Absolutely. I also really love how you start exploring music and that's one interest and a lot of people I think there's this tendency where if you find one thing that you like this sort of societal pressure is like just focus on that one thing so you can get really good at it right but looking back on the things that you were doing then and having the context of the things that you do now with your music the manga interest the anime and video game interest 
it's helping you shape I guess just your brand, you know, like the way that you right. It's crazy how things music. come full circle. Yeah, things just come full circle, and that's why I think it's really important to like uh, a lot of like younger guys who are coming up after me, even though like I'm still coming up as well. But you know, a lot of people who ask me for advice, I always tell them like, just be you. Um, try as many things as possible. You don't know which one you're going to really gravitate to unless you try all those things. Yeah, honestly, that's that was one of my personal biggest struggles because you do want to be good enough at your quote main thing so that you can impress people but right not forgetting about those other interests it you know if your main thing is music the side interests can make music better it can give you absolutely perspective and can help self eventually absolutely i think people buy into authenticity and i think when you yourself and your art form people believe it you know and i think when you do those things and let yourself be free and show all the avenues that make you you as a person it just makes that experience all the more uh, all the more better yeah for sure because then you know there's that group of people who really resonate with you yeah man this is fun so Along those lines, Mm -hmm. another thing that really interests me is, you know, some of us grow up where our families are really encouraging and they're like, yeah, go for it, you know, make your art, do what makes you happy, build a life out of it. And then there's other people who are like, oh, that's not a real job or it's not a real career. (laughs) Absolutely. So how did you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out how to make money (laughs) as a musician. You know what? I was very fortunate enough to grow up in one of those households where everyone was pretty much encouraging. My mom growing up, she was a huge, like, aspiring gospel singer. And yeah, so my mom already had that type of, like, artistic bug. I I had an artistic parent. And that really helped her. I think she was just happy that someone wanted to do music too. Like she didn't even, she didn't care. Like she was just happy, like someone else had found that love and that really wanted to pursue it. So I think my mom kind of vicariously lives through me in a different type of way. You know, of course, I do like secular music, but um, my mom and my brother have always been extremely encouraging. And even before I perfected my craft until like you find your sound and you're like, oh, this is, this is my pocket. And, uh, you know, you find yourself as an artist, even though I'm still trying to find myself. But, you know, there's like that moment where you're like, oh, this is what I want to present. Um, my mom was very encouraging. Um, she's always like, been like, OK, well, you know, you have to finish school at least. And then once you finish school, you can go off and you can do your thing. So, she, <laughs> so she high school or was she like, no, you need to go to college first? You know, my mom was actually really cool about like going to just finishing high school you know she always said that was like you know that's a privilege and a bare minimum that you can use for yourself to position yourself upwards but she was cool if i went if i didn't go to college if i didn't you know do the conventional route i think my mom just like i say again really happy that i really wanted to do music and she just was like finally i have a a child that (laughs) wants to do what i want to (laughs) do yeah 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 Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. The other thing that, I mean, <laughs> I keep saying like the other thing, this or whatever, yeah. but really there's just a lot of things, whether it's in my personal journey with music or yeah. just 
the other musicians I've talked to, there's also this thing of like, okay, so can you make money off of music? Do you want to go for that? And then is college a part of your path or not? Yeah. And our society really likes to push college, but it's Absolutely. really not you know, necessary. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, I mean, everyone's different. You know, everyone catches that like they're, every, everyone's path is paved differently. So I try not to tell people which way is the best way or whatever. But absolutely, I think college is definitely an option, not not more of a necessity. I went to college for music and I fumbled fucking horribly. Like I am just not a college person. I think now that I'm a little older that I would probably be okay. But at the time when like I was coming fresh out of high school and I was like really thinking about what I wanted to do, that was not the road for me. And I went to college just out of the pressure of uh, someone else that was influencing me as far as, you know, you, you want that kind of um, cushion. There's a lot of uncertainty that comes with being an artist as well. Um, even yeah. if you are incredibly optimistic and you believe in yourself wholeheartedly, there's just like a uncertainty that's scary. So you kind of want to like be sort of conventional so you don't fall flat on your fucking ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally, I had that same problem. <laughs> yeah, literally. So sometimes you do things that are out of your character or out of your energy and to conform. I, we've all been there. I've done it. It just wasn't working for me. And when I just like quit school, I feel like I uh, a weight was lifted off of me. But uh, there is... There's ways for everyone to achieve. That just wasn't one of them for me. Yeah. And that uncertainty is a, it's a real thing. It's a big thing. Yeah, it's a huge (laughs) thing. I mean, I think we all, uh, you can relate. You're a musician as well. I think we all like have moments of uncertainty. And I think for us as musicians, it kind of attacks us like PTSD or something. Like we just get those (laughs) random flashes of, oh, fuck. What if this doesn't work out? Oh, fuck. What am I doing? So how did you move through that? I don't know, honestly. I think I just, I've always had a goal of there is literally nothing else that I'm going to do in this world. And this, I, for me, music is kind of um, how people perceive college or um, like picture college to be their, cush- uh, their positioning up. Music and art is that for me. I want to use that to be, to do other things for, you know, people in the world and the community. And I know that this is like something I'm just good at. And, um, you know, not some any type of way, but it is just what I'm good at. You know, I've crafted myself to be this type of artist and to know what I'm good at. So I can use this thing to try to put myself up to be a better human being for the world that we live in. And that's kind of like my goal overall. Mm, That's so So powerful. Yeah, it's kind of like I have no other options. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's something to be said for you know, once you you find that thing that you're really good at, then lean in and let yeah. other people lean into the things they're really good at. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think one of the things that um, I'm learning now, um, because I spend most of my time in music, like I used to write in Miami for um, uh, a record label for a little bit when I was like 17, 18. And even at home doing um, like perfecting my craft, I was alone for a lot of those times. And I'm just, I was used to being alone, but now that I'm out here kind of stepping my foot out, you know, with Morgan and with the Austin Collective as a whole, leaning on other people is really important as well. I think once we come together, like as a, you know, collective and these different types of people from different types of places, we kind of find like a common ground and that common ground can make beautiful things. And that's what I'm kind of on right now. Yeah. 
man. I think that's one of my favorite things that I've started noticing among yeah. indie artists, particularly in Austin, just because I live here. And so I pay yeah. a lot of attention to Austin. Yeah. <laughs> the way that, you know, different visual artists and, you know, sound engineers or filmmakers, right. they can collaborate with the musicians or even people who are into fashion. You know, you got to wear something fly on stage so that people Absolutely, right? notice you. Gotta, you got to be fly. <laughs> so all those things are interconnected and yeah, all the independent people in each of those niches can help each other make money and get their art into the world so they can make more money, which makes more art. Yeah, it's a cycle, man. It's a cycle. Um, we we need each other to, you know, just survive, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna circle back in a second to Morgan because I do want to talk about how you started working to him. I mean, yeah. with him. <laughs> but I would love to hear. I didn't realize that you had. I guess it's a publishing deal if you were writing for a label. Oh, well, yeah. Well, not anymore. That was a long time ago, like maybe almost 10 years ago. Like, So for I, those for, who are <laughs> considering maybe being just a writer, how did you get that experience? What was it like? So my life is cons- consistently unconventional. Um, <laughs> just consistently. The way I got that um, opportunity was the craziest thing, a very long, long, long story. But... I knew someone who had a stake in the company in the record label and they heard my stuff and they asked me to come in to be a writer. And um, I wrote for like a year and a half for some, some upcoming artists and then parted ways with them because um, they were trying to do like an artist development deal, de- development deal with me. And I wasn't really uh, feeling the direction that they were trying to push me. But as far as writing, I think that, my advice for anyone who wants to be a writer, like solely a writer, is to um, don't be afraid to be organic and don't be afraid to write for other artists if you just want to be a, a writer because how else is anyone going to listen to your things? And people need to just hear things to understand your vision. So I would mm. like say, kind of like how uh, rappers do or like rock bands, they put out a lot of music all the time so it can be accessible for other people. Mm-hmm. I would do the same just in a writing standpoint and like you know want collab with people just say hey you know you're a, you're a big singer I want to collab with you on this I'm a writer um, we can co-write make sure you get that um, excuse me make sure you get that um, co-writing credit make sure you get like a pro a publishing thing I'm with BMI so I would just say make sure those things are in order just because you aren't a um, recording artist as well um, doesn't mean that you don't have to act like one, you know? Put your stuff out. Use all your tools that you have available. Social media is a crazy double, double-edged sword. It is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing for networking and horrible for your, um, you know, person if you let it affect you. But social media is a great tool. And I would definitely say just use everything that you have. So as you went through this journey of figuring out what parts of the music industry you wanted to work in and what it felt like to get paid for different kinds of music work. When did you realize that you needed or just wanted to work with a manager? Oh man. I think I've always kind of knew, like I've always been more of a, like uh, a singer or artist that kind of, 
looked at the behind the scenes of other people like growing up uh like when i really started getting uh, really into like being an actual artist i always like producers or always like songwriters more so than the artists like i kind of see saw behind the curtain and a lot of times behind that curtains are managers and just quite honestly you need some you can't do it alone you know you can't do you can't get to where you need to be without people just like we were saying you know uh, collective and community is important so you have to you have to have someone help you out and that's where i was looking and i found morgan that's awesome yeah so what was it like finding morgan and how did you decide to work with him specifically you know was what you with overload already yes i believe so so I, like I say, again, everything in my life happens in the most random ways. So I had put out my first like mixtape in 2016, I think. I, like, I've been writing that whole time as like a young teen and a young adult. And I put something out collective, like for my collective experiences. And then I think Morgan wrote about one of the songs that I, uh, I released. And then we just followed each other on Twitter. We would just like communicate. He was like, write about me. I would retweet, thank him for, you know, even, you know, he's really big on finding new artists and upcoming artists. And he's really instrumental in that. Like he, he has a really big um, part to do with a lot of the, like the artists that are coming up and getting kind of big in Austin. Like he's one of those first people to write about them. Like he has a great ear. Wow. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to say that because he's really, really big on, um, being the like he's he has his ear to the streets as people say and he did not tell me that part (laughs) oh man he's he's amazing he's good but besides that he asked me to write for one of his artists one of his artists at um one time and i was like sure you know like i'll write for you you know you don't have to you know he's like i said he was really big on like helping me kind of get my foot in the door in austin the scene so I was just like, hey, man, you help me. I help you. you know, I, I won't charge you anything. Um, I'm looking for a manager. And we met at a coffee house, very, very Morgan. We met at a, a nice coffee spot. <laughs> and we just talked. And it was from there. We've just been working together. Wow. Yeah. So you just, you found the right person. And yeah, I trust, yeah, I trusted him because, you know, he saw something in my music like before he managed me if that makes sense like he believed in me before he had a reason to and yeah he has a good ear he has a good ear so i trusted him and we've been working together ever since and it's going pretty well man morgan's a good uh, good guy that's awesome yeah i do love how you know there's some people who how do i put this i feel like there's a couple groups of people Mm-hmm. that musicians who are trying to make a career for themselves fall into. And one of those groups is really ego filled where it's like, you know, I'm <laughs> the next hot young thing and I yeah. need to have this posse or this team of help because I'm just that awesome, you know, <laughs> yeah. rather than having it be something like, okay, you've done the work to get to a level where someone like a manager is already noticing your work and yeah. helping you to promote it because they yeah. recognize that you have something that you've built right. something. Right. And then they help you get to the next level where you actually need the help. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, it's, it's important to always kind of, I've, I think growing up, my mom, again, she's very instrumental in my life. My mom has always told me like, 
you can be great at something, but remember, someone else is also great at something. So always be humble, you know, and don't be afraid to ask for help. I've always kind of kept that mindset because it's for me, it's not that serious. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) for me, I can do my thing and succeed and let other people open the door for themselves and even help them and you know, because it's not that serious. You know, we're all here. We're all trying to eat. I just want to help build a table for everyone so we all can eat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that resonates with me. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of why I'm doing this. I want musicians yeah. to figure out how to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It, this is an amazing platform. I, I, I really like what you're doing with it. I like the various amounts of different types of musicians, too. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Honestly, it's just a, like a like a collage of all the yeah. different things that people can do. There's classical musicians, there's hip hop yeah. artists, there's rock artists, country artists. Yeah, I saw. I was like, wow, she's really doing the work. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you even fit me in there. I was like, you got yourself an R&B artist in here. This is awesome. Well, I like your music and... Thank you. I like what you're doing to promote the music, too. So I wanted to get to know your story. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. While we're on the topic of money and just figuring out how to make it as a musician. Yeah. When you started putting your music out there, did you... So, like, one of the easier ways to start trying to make money is to play shows and get paid for those. Right. So, like, what was your experience just trying to find different ways to start getting paid? You know what? I've always been, like, um, I think our generation is, like, real, we've always been real cyber, like, real e-girl, real e-boy. And we've always (laughs) found, right, we've always found a way to, like, you know, we grew up in the um, era, era of Craigslist and stuff like that. So I've always just w- really been independent in that. Like, I've always noticed that a lot of people are hella talented with, like, singing or, like, presenting themselves. But a lot of times people don't know how to structure songs. And I've always, like I said, I've, you know, waited. I crafted myself. I've learned from other writers that I've liked and learned how to make, like, an actual song verse hook whatever and so honestly how i started getting paid is i i did craigslist i did craigslist i did instagram i did like a bunch of things where i've noticed like people were just like needed that extra oomph or extra something in their songs and i i just charge people 100 200 for songwriting and then i started um gaining like a small following of fans for my actual music and people wanted to feature me on their songs and so i just paired that songwriting fee with the feature fee (laughs) and then i would make money collectively from that and then yeah that's brilliant (laughs) yeah i've always kind of finessed my way into like making sure i make something like when i wanted to like i would have times when i'm just like okay i'm gonna have downtime and just create and i don't need to make money off of this right now because it's my passion and this is i just want to be better and then there are times where i'm like okay well i need some money right now this week so there, I'm sure there's a rapper somewhere that wants a singer. I'm sure there's a singer somewhere that wants a, a really good song. So I would just couple those together and make what I needed to make at the time. <laughs> so you're like a songwriting consultant. 
in some cases. Uh, um, yeah, I'm a songwriting hustler. <laughs> Man, honestly, that's been something that I've wanted to do for a while because I learned, <laughs> I don't know if it's the hard way, but just mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely learned by doing that. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I don't want to build that kind of career for myself personally. <laughs> But yeah. I love writing songs and I can't stop. Like I literally tried and I can't. Yeah, yeah. But helping other people with their songs, I would love to just do that all day. People are always looking for help. So you definitely could. I mean, I and I I resonate with you with that, with kind of like the whole um not being seen. I'm really back and forth with that. Um I'm very much a visual artist as much as I am like just like by behind the scenes type of artist. So I kind of struggle with that type of um, choice and I'm just like, fuck it. I'll, you know, I'll be out there for a little bit. So I understand that. I mean, you can do it for sure. Yeah. So is that part of why with this new project that you're working on, you started adding more illustrations into the artwork and less like photos of your face? Yeah. I think with this project, I feel like I've always been, like I said, struggling with that. Um, Rather not to show too much of myself or show a lot of myself. I feel like social media and Twitter and Instagram get kind of weird when you start like rising up a bit. But yes, and I'm very, I'm really chill for the most part. I'm really like to myself. But I think with this project, I really just wanted to show people like all the crazy ideas I have in my head visually and like i'm a very concept person so like each project i have a concept for it like the colors or the theme or what i wanted to present and i think sometimes subconsciously i always try to have a message with the uh, uh, project that i'm doing so with this one i think i really wanted to show myself as like a man as a black man, like having real pink and vibrant colors and being kind of out, you know, trying to fight this narrative of like super hyper masculinity or that like mm-hmm. it defines something because how whatever narrative that the world paints us, that we can be a man and we can be whatever we want to be and like colors and what we wear and what we say or whatever type of vulnerability that we have doesn't define us as whatever gender that we, you know, label ourselves into. We are just human. And I felt like I couldn't really do that unless I start showing more of myself. So reluctantly, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for your bravery. It's not easy. It's not. I really appreciate how you're doing that, though. Like, Yeah, you know, I I think people... It's, it's not really for me per se. I mean, I get the chance to express myself visually or like as an artist, but also people who are younger than me are, are that are aspiring to be something need to see something that represents them in some type of way so they can have the courage to do things that maybe, like we said, their parents aren't too cool about or they don't want them to do. And sometimes you need... Like for me, growing up, television and the internet was like... Sometimes my reassurance for a lot of things and Mm. time for us to be those type of people for other people. Damn straight. Yes, ma'am. We've made it about halfway through the show and we're going to have a quick pause. 
Ads are irritating distractions, so they'll never be a part of the Musicians Can Thrive podcast. Thank you for listening. To make sure you get new episodes as soon as I release them, subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm so glad I get the honor of sharing these musicians' stories, and it would mean a lot if you would be willing to help me share them. Spotify has this awesome feature where you can share podcast episodes directly to Instagram stories. So if you're willing, tell your followers about your favorite episode. Last thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a quick review helps other musicians learn about Musicians Can Thrive. I appreciate your support. Back to the show. I'm really glad you said that because... One of the things I've started to notice just through the process of hearing all these different stories from different musicians and sharing those stories, it's just not to sound cliche, but mm-hmm. a single story holds a lot of power because Absolutely. it's an example for someone else of something that, you know, maybe it, it's something for you to aspire to or something to be like, okay, so if this was possible for that person, then this could be possible for me. Right. Representation matters. It it really does. Like my little, well, one of my little brothers, the the one who's the third in the family, (laughs) (laughs) he goes by Alex and he's a gay man who grew up Mm -hmm. with two older sisters. And Mm -hmm. for most of his childhood, there wasn't any example or story anywhere, whether it was books or movies or TV of what it can be like to be a man who loves beautiful clothes, but, you know, he's not, he loves jewelry, but he still loves men's clothing. He's not trying to be really non-binary, but just having all the different examples, like, yeah, it makes a difference when someone's trying to figure out what the fuck do I want to do? Whether it's with art or your personhood or, Anything else? Absolutely. You know, I think that a lot of times when we kind of confined young younger people into a box are um I mean we do that naturally as a society. So in art, I think that's the time that we should be able to be ourselves, you know, as much as possible regardless of what people say, because there's someone looking at the TV or on Instagram or on Twitter and they're when they see you, they're like, hey, this person kind of looks like me or where's what I want to wear or, mm-hmm. you know, and that gives a person an extra step. That's why for me, it's very important to like, as I grow, you know, have a female in my, uh, a woman in my band, have people of all races, you know, help me out with things in my company or, you know, just have representation, you know, good people who are just good at what they do because you need that type of, you know, melting pot to be a better person. In my opinion, I think that when we cross cultures and we learn about people, you know, we can't just rely or excuse it for our ignorance if it's in our face you know so i think that's very important and i just want to be some someone like that for someone i want to you know i think my bigger picture even in my music like my lyrics are a lot of times kind of vulnerable i think i just want to be that type of guy for other guys or other non-binary other women whoever can relate to me i I just want to be that because i think that is for me what music and art is supposed to be about the expression and the 
you know, when they when they're done listening to my project or done listening to the song, they either feel good, they feel sad, they feel something, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what that's really what I want. Absolutely. I mean, that's what gets you to stay over the long term. You can have yeah. a catchy hook, but the, if there's not something behind it, then right. eventually they'll move on to the next just catchy new thing. Absolutely. And I really love how, as a black man, you're making mm-hmm. an effort to show a different narrative than that hyper-masculine example yeah. that's splashed you know, everywhere in our culture, yeah. it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think um, just growing up in the black community and be, being a black man, I think that people have this one way to determine masculinity. And I think that like, like okay, I'll use this for an example. Growing up, I was really into fashion. I was really into like Pharrell and really into like, you know, like the skater type of uh, thing that was really big uh, back in yeah. like 2007, you know. But in the school that I went to, it wasn't really popping like that. Like that wasn't really the thing. And so I used to just wear what I wanted to wear, dye my hair red or whatever. And people wouldn't say things sometimes, but I always took it in stride because it was just who I am. But those same people that make fun of you are going to do it three years later. <laughs> so I always would see people do the things that they make fun of me or like do like the ex- crazy extravagant version of that. And it's just like, just be yourself, you know? Um, and I think that those type of things resonated with me growing up that I can put them in my music because my pink hair or my super crazy outfit, even though it's probably not super crazy, but it's just not conventional whatever i do doesn't define who i am in my manhood you know and i and i i think that's a broken narrative especially in communities of color because what we have what we have had had to go through but i think for the next generation i do want to be one of those people like pharrell was to me you know um or travis mccoy was for me that they were these alternative quote-unquote types of people that were themselves and make me have the confidence to be who I am today. And I, that's something I do want for myself. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so important and so yes. needed. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to help push you out a little bit more to Absolutely. a couple more people. Thank you. Yes. I'm so happy about this. <laughs> Me too. Also, we're really hitting it off, and I'm just really enjoying this conversation. Yeah, we're so. best friends already. We're, we are best friends. We have to do like coffee or something. Yes, please. I would love that. Yes, like yes. people deprived because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We're trying to like figure out the way this COVID thing is working with the project, and it's like the most exhausting and tiring and crazy thing ever. But somehow oh, we're gosh, making it through. Yeah. So. I, I did get lucky enough to hear a demo of one of the new songs on this project, but oh, what, wow. was it for me or was it for Morgan? It was for Morgan. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I'm gonna call him after this and cue his ear out. <laughs> I'm gonna cuss at him and yell at him. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> so, what what is it like recording and working on a project in COVID? It's honestly not different at all (laughs) i used to like i say i used to like really work by myself a lot like just me my mac and my equipment and recently you know with morgan and like doing shows i've been out more than i've ever had before but when covid hit it kind of pushed me back in my natural state and so i was you thrive right now 
Yeah, I'm I'm thriving. I, I hate to say that. <laughs> I'm one of those musicians that thrive, like your title says. But um, yes, <laughs> I, I thrive being alone. I'm a loner. But um, <laughs> no, no, seriously, like we, um, me and my co-director KC, we were working on our this project before COVID hit. Actually, like I think one of the last shows I did was at the North Door, and. Um, I performed one of my newer songs that's going to be, I performed Troll Patrol that's, that's out right now. one of the singles from the project and we were already finished and so we were just trying to see how we were going to package and you know deliver it but covid hit like literally a month like maybe less than a month after like right when south by southwest was supposed to happen i was so crushed um, right and so like we had all this like built up creativity for the show and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what, let me just go back and record. And I made like three more songs for the project. And then it became like this huge thing. I collaborated with artists in Austin that have never collaborated before. This project has the most features I've ever had on it. It's like, it feels like a, it's the craziest thing. Like I've had more opportunities in the COVID than I've ever had before. I think people are just here to listen. I think people have time now, you know? And Mm. I think that, because of that people are settling down and just like wanting to help other people so i have a lot of cool things on this project so i it was very easy for me to kind of thrive in this unconventional space wow i love that that's something i've started to notice too just in terms of how musicians are finding ways to adapt to this very new situation like going back to the authenticity thing there was a phase towards the beginning of quarantine where you know like everyone and their mother was doing a live stream (laughs) yeah and at some point it's like okay so you only have so many hours in the day and if there's four different people doing a live stream at the same time i'm not catching them all so which one are you going to choose exactly and so that's where for me i sort of I guess you could say it's a hypothesis that I've started forming that if you sort of bring out the different parts of your personality or just your interests in addition to your music, it it gives people more reasons to connect with you personally. So they're more likely to do like the live stream and then buy your merch and help you survive, you know, playing shows. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think that now we're, kind of i think i've said this on twitter i said like like now we're uh kind of seeing who is it's gonna sound horrible but who's like interesting 
for yeah. lack of a better word for lack of a better word like who is like who is really the artist who's really like what they say they are you know so yeah it's crazy and I also think we are trying to me, Morgan and Casey and uh, Happy Place, we're putting together a, a performance based off my project and doing that. It's really cool. I love it. I can't wait to see how it's going to turn out. But um, there is something to be said about live streams and like versus the actual physical being in the place. I, I, I don't think that can be, you know, replicated. I think it's, it's hard. I think live stream is great, but like you still can't. Hearing the bass and hearing, feeling the vibe of the person standing next to you or the yeah. audience, it's just, it's different. I've enjoyed some pieces of live streams, like being able yeah. to sort of communicate directly with someone yeah. while they're playing songs. Like I can request something or yeah. I can just say, hey, like I really love that song and they can be like, thanks. Yeah. But when it comes to that sort of magic feeling that we all get yeah. with a live show, you yeah. can't replicate that virtually. At least not yet. Not yet. Some, <laughs> some, I'm sure um, Mark Zuckerberg will come out with a new feature, like oh, God. bass of vision or something. And <laughs> he feels, feels the bass somewhere. But until then, I think um, live streams are, are interesting. I love it, though. I mean, it's what we have to do until we find something else. When you were playing shows pre-COVID, what was your experience like playing shows in Austin and booking them? (laughs) Did you have challenges with certain venues or? You know what? Um, For you, I I'm going to have to credit this to Morgan and me and Casey as a collaborative team because Morgan really, um, to be frank. There's like a weird space for like hip hop adjacent artists here. There's like a weird space for artists who aren't like, I think from the type of artist I am, I'm like a, a melting pot of like hip hop, pop and R&B. I think I kind of mesh those things together. And for a lot of people from what I've seen, there is this like weird welcoming, but not welcoming for those type of artists um live I, th- I think a lot of the times like folk and rock really have venues where they fit in unless they're already huge you know unless lizzo mm-hmm. comes to austin and everybody's just like popping to lizzo but morgan definitely definitely um allowed me to flourish in spaces where i think predominantly artists who wouldn't fit my mold are I was probably like the only R&B or R&B slash pop or black artists in those spaces. Um, and Morgan definitely never tried to like put me in a, a box of like, Oh, it's hip hop night. So we're going to do this for hip hop night solely, you know? So um, he manages another artist. Uh, he, he manages a couple artists, but uh, there's another artist, Katie rain. He would book me and her the same shows. And I really liked that about Morgan. Uh, it, it allowed people to actually hear me, you know, in an audience that maybe I wouldn't have gotten the ears to if someone else had been managing me, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he really includes me in everyone's, like, if it's, a, if it's a pop night or if it's whatever, he'll book me for the show. And it really allowed me to grow very, very fast in the show community. 
Man, that's wonderful. Yeah. I've heard from a couple other indie hip hop artists that I've talked to in Austin about how, yeah. you know, there's a sort of double standard depending yeah. on what genre your music is. And unfortunately, it tends to also factor in race because yeah. primarily black people make hip hop music in Austin. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Morgan has always been really, I, 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 I want to say it's intentional because he, he knows what he's doing. So I always applaud Trying to subvert it. Yeah, but he's always allowed me to flourish in the same room as people who don't look like me. So that's one of the things where having a manager who's able to help you navigate that bullshit could yeah, really be yeah, helpful. absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, what it's not even the um, the audience or the you know the people who come to listen to the music. A lot of the times when I play shows, they enjoy what they enjoy. You know, it's, yeah. it's not really about race at that point in time because they just they're they're just there to feel and vibe and be drunk and <laughs> have fun. <laughs> Here's some good know? music. Here's some good music. So um, it's never the audience. It's just like the gatekeepers and mm-hmm. Morgan has allowed us to kind of infiltrate that with, I think, you know, with not trying to put so much emphasis on what I could pe- be perceived as when the situation doesn't need it, doesn't, it, when it's not called for that situation, you know? So I've, I've hadn't had any really huge um, substantial problems. I think unless, you know, Morgan's, being so kind enough to keep <laughs> keep me uh, blind from all of that, but it's been pretty good. We were doing great. I mean, I right before COVID hit was like we were just like going, 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 and then COVID hit. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I was gonna play my first South by Southwest show. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my first actual like I'm on the bill for a show and we're gonna play. Yeah. Well, so for people. I have so many things I want to ask you about, but of because we're... Ask them all, ask them all, ask them <laughs> I will do my best <laughs> to keep track of all these dots. Yes, but ma'am. for South by, was yes. it an official showcase? No, I think it was unofficial. Okay, um, so you can get we, it rebooked for next year relatively absolutely. easily. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. I have so many like amazing artists on my project as well, so I think that we should you can be bring good. in some new ones. Yes, bringing some new ones, bringing some old ones. I, 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 um, I have a lot of like South by Southwest alumni, like on there, like a lot of people nice. who, yeah, a lot of. I have Corey Kendricks. He's really good. He's really cool. Great guy. Uh, really big name in uh, the hip hop scene in Austin. I have um, I don't want to mess up her name. Aubrey from uh, Pleasure Venom. She's um on my project too. So yeah, I think uh, we should be good for South by Southwest. But even if we're not. You know, I'll just be happy to play a physical show again <laughs> that time. I'm not, right. I'm, not, I'm not picky. I'm, like, really wondering what South By is going to do for next year because there's only so many spots, and I know they're just going to, like, close oh, applications for a year and just I'm, bump everyone from this crazy. year. It's going to be crazy. We're all going to be performing in the street or something or something. It's going to be, gonna be wild. <laughs> it's going to be wild. <laughs> So before I forget, circling back to the venues and gatekeepers thing that you mentioned. Yes, ma'am. I'm not even sure how we go about changing this, but one of the things that I've noticed 
just as I'm trying to find my own way in the music uh-huh. scene of Austin. And I've lived here for like nine years. I've had some time to explore. Yeah. And the lack of talk or showcasing mm-hmm. of the hip hop, R&B, just even like, you know, soulful blues music. Yeah. It's so hard to find anything about it in Austin. Like yeah. of all those artists that you mentioned you've collaborated I can't talk. <laughs> Collaborated with. Uh-huh. I only knew one of their names. But yeah. they're big, successful artists by any, you know, measure Absolutely. of that word. They definitely, yeah. And it's just so frustrating to me. Because if you're a blues rock artist, or a pop artist, or a songwriter, you know, kind of folky Americana, mm-hmm. all the, the publications, all the venues, you know, it's they can't get enough of that stuff. They don't stop talking <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's I think it's really telling because, like, most of the world, right, the biggest genres in the world right now are hip-hop, R&B, and pop, right? Yeah, like, and we're a college town. <laughs> right, we're, we're the live music capital. We're, like, the music city of the fucking nation. And we're young. Most of us here are young. Or most of us that come inside of the city to play are young. And, you know, I've only really started playing shows maybe, like, two years because, you know, like I said, I wanted to perfect myself in what I wanted to bring. But definitely, right in those two years, I, I noticed that there is a lack of representation, which is crazy. Because like we said, the most of the biggest names out there are hip-hop and R&B and pop. And the city doesn't re- really reflect that. And I think that goes back to what we said about not just Austin, just about music in general. You know, um, the gatekeepers, they don't allow other people from different generations like us. We would probably bring in some new, fresh, current sounds that would represent what today is. You know, I think that we just have to have we have to have that conversation with people who are already in the room. Just bring attention to it. Like you have to let us in as well, because if not, you're only going to keep bringing the same things that you like. And Sometimes what you like isn't always inclusive. You know, you have to bring, I would have to bring in someone who's younger than me to represent something different than what I'm bringing or what I have the ear for. And I think a lot of times that people want to gatekeep so much that it hurts other people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put it better myself. Yeah. Like, um, Corey Kendrick should be super huge right now. Uh, Click Clack is amazing artist. He should be huge. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I think the other thing that bugs me that I've started to notice, just among young people in Austin who like mm. hip-hop or, you know, quote, urban genres yeah. of music, mm-hmm. is they, they stick to the big names. They stick to the people who make it they on do. the top 40 list, and they don't dig in. They and don't. Indie is really trendy, but it's only if it's like indie rock or indie pop, and people don't realize right. there's a whole vibrant our, indie hip hop R and B community. Or like if it's like indie, it's like indie that we all know, like Chance the Rapper, like okay, <laughs> like that's very popular. But I, like I think that goes back to what we said earlier that a lot of times people like what they are told they should be liking, you know. And I think that if like the big publications um, help with that put people in our faces people will go click on it listen to it and fall in love you know one of the uh, organizations that i've been working with or been in talks with that i think um 
are doing a really good job uh, is the Austin Music Foundation. Um, they have been doing like a really, 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 really good job with like just um, hearing other people out and putting other people on. And yeah, I think it's a lot of people follow that league. Overload um, is one of those things too. I think people follow that league. We'd be better, but yeah, until that happens, I think we all just need to come together and uh you know like if i'm in the room and i see someone who should be in the room with me that's good i'm gonna bring them bring them in the room and i think we need to encourage everyone to do the same yeah i think that's the way forward and then Isn't we'll it? just infiltrate the big gatekeepers eventually yeah yeah <laughs> we'll beat them up <laughs> we'll just we'll beat them at their own game with our words yeah we'll, yeah, yeah we'll beat them with kindness <laughs> And great music. Yeah, and great music. And smart marketing, probably. And smart marketing. Don't forget the marketing. It's <laughs> Man, it really is. What else would you like for other people trying to figure out what it means to be a musician building a career? What would you like them to know that we haven't already talked about? Let me see. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about anime, manga, and <laughs> all the very important musician things. No. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that my number one takeaway as an artist and seeing like things go up and down and up and down for me would be um, be consistent. Try to put out as much music as possible. I think a lot of times, like as writers and as musicians, we are not sure of ourselves and our work sometimes. So we don't put it out, put it out. Someone will love it. The people that don't love it don't matter. And then also be organic. Be yourself. People, again, who don't like that don't matter. And people who love it are the ones that matter. So just be yourself. Keep doing music. Every no is not the end. All you need is one yes. And we live in a world where we can really thrive independently. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I want people to remember is that you can build your own world. Find the right people to help you um, build that world. And you, you should be fine. Yeah. The world really is just at your feet now. You just need the tools Absolutely. and the people to help you build exactly what you're looking for. Yep. Awesome. Well, where is the best place for people to find your music and your social medias? My social media, uh, Instagram, is at Johnny. J-O-N-N-Y Jukebox and JohnnyJukebox.net is my official website but those are probably the two things that link everything together in both of those places you'll find the links to my Apple Music Spotify Bandcamp or whatever you listen to music on uh, awesome. you'll find there great I did mean to ask you how yes, did you come up with Johnny Jukebox for your artist name? <laughs> it's so it's cool. Very, thank you. It's a very nerdy story. I feel like all my stories are weird and nerdy. But so Kill Bill, this is the short version. Kill Bill <laughs> is uh, one of my favorite movies growing up. The leader of the Crazy 88 is Johnny Moe. I like the name Johnny. I took the H out and that was my name. And the Jukebox, uh, like I said, I have a very eclectic taste in music and I feel like I can make anything almost, and which you'll probably hear throughout the year. I make rock, I make pop rock, I've made R&B, pop, anything you can almost imagine, except Ooh. for country. I'm probably coming for countries in a couple years, so be on the lookout. <laughs> but yeah, and that's my name. That's how I came up with my name. 
That's such a cool story. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. This has been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm really glad I get to share everything with all these people. Absolutely. I'm glad I am the vessel to share. Yeah. We'll help them learn one step at a time. One step at a time. Please check the show notes for links to find Johnny Jukebox music, social media, and all that fun stuff. One last thing before you go today. There are techniques, strategies, and routines that work best for different people. With that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. Major labels used to be the big gatekeepers of the music industry. Without a record deal, most artists didn't have access to the tools and resources needed to record themselves and distribute their music to mass audiences. Now, the internet has leveled the playing field to the point where the problem isn't getting your music out to the world. The problem is making yourself heard among the noise of hundreds of thousands of independent artists in your state or even just your local music scene. And that doesn't even include the millions of artists when you start trying to get known on a national scale. So how do you break through the noise? How do you build an audience that extends beyond your friends, family, and mutual friends? That's where this idea of gatekeepers comes back into play. Within your local music scene, there are artists who've built a big enough following for themselves that people listen when they recommend other independent artists. Maybe you're one of those people. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to think about today. As you start to become a person with a big enough audience that you have influence over what people choose to listen to, how can you find ways to lift up other artists with audiences smaller than yours? One of the hardest parts of being an independent artist is building an audience in your local area. It's relatively easy now to gain thousands of streams, but it's much harder to convert the people behind those streams into fans who will come to your shows or buy your merch.